to head off on my holiday. Welcome to Hamlet Pod. episode 472 of Hand of Pod. I'm Sam Kelly and I'm joined this week by Andres. Hello. Welcome. Chris. Hey, how's it going? And English Dan. Hello. And this is the episode in which we preview the Copa de la Liga 2023, even though it's already started, as we discussed Ooh. in our very short episode last week. Um, I'll give you the first round results just because that's what we do on this podcast. Uh, they were Belgrano 2, Estudiantes 1. I can't remember what the scoreline was when we finished recording the, the main episode last week, but that was the one that was happening while we were recording. Anyway, the, the one, one, one. The, incredibly, well, not incredibly, but it was good for, for Belgrano the, the way they replaced Palo Vegetti, who is now at Pasco da Gama with Ramon Diaz. You yeah. remember the, one of the, the top goal scorers of the Ooh. Liga Profesional? Mm. He's now at Pasco da Gama. And the one who replaced him is Lucas Passerini, I think it's Lucas. By the name, and he scored both goals. The ones who replaced Vegetis. Yes, not a bad start. Yes, first one with a penalty, which we saw, and then I think we finished recording before the two goals in the second half were scored. Uh, but I can't really remember. No, but Grano is almost certainly a header from close range. Mm. At least that's how Vegetti scored about all of his goals. Yeah. Uh, defensive Justicia versus Godoy Cruz was postponed. I'm not sure why. Don't know whether anyone. Because of the weather. Uh, it's pissing it down all Thursday and Friday. They yes. had to travel yes. just when there was a storm and they couldn't. Mm. Uh, yeah, we had uh, 135 millimeters of rain in two months. Rain in an afternoon or something yeah. like that, or, or something silly. So started at about four in the morning because mm. it was. Hammering it down when I went to bed, and it was still hammering it yeah, down. A few friends' bed. apartments got flooded. Mm. Oh dear. Mm. How were you here, Dan? You're on the ground floor. Uh, only the, the back garden. Oh, brilliant. Congratulations. It's a bit uh, of a bog at the moment, but yeah, better than the house. <laughs> we'll come back. Union 1, Racing 1, and Boca Juniors 3, Platense 1, ahead of the Titanic clash between Boca and Racing and the Libertadores, which we'll talk about in a little while. Independiente nil, Colón one, Gimnasia nil, Tacheres three, Vélez Sarsfield one, Barracas Central nil, Arsenal nil, Instituto one, Sarmiento two, Tigre nil, Rosario Central nil, Atlético Tucumán nil, Lanús nil, San Lorenzo one, so competition might change but some scorelines remain the same, Argentinos Juniors three, River two, um, not to toot our own imaginary trumpets, but I feel like if we had talked about the upcoming fixtures last week, we'd probably pick that out as one of the potentially more entertaining matches. So, there you go. Huracan 2, Banfield 0, and Newells 2, Central Cordoba 0. Um, I, apart from Belgrano vs Estudiantes, and a bit of, I think, Lanús San Lorenzo that didn't contain any goals, I didn't see any of that weekend's football, gents. So I'm hoping that somebody's got something to say. Uh, Racing got a 
an acceptable draw, I guess you could say, against a, an Union team who are a little bit better than the terrible Union team for most of the the first six months of this league. Uh, of course, with loads of subs um, and a couple of players in Agostino Mendra and Juan Ferro Quintero. I thought you'd make time to watch it just for that fact, Sam, but perhaps not. Um, who are playing their first games, well, in Almendra's case, you know, at least a year, right? Must be. Or, yeah. or, or more than a year, yeah. Probably more than a year. And Quintero, I think he's been playing every now and then for uh, Junior. But but also with five months of... Uh, five months, yeah. Five played, yeah. Um, then that's all right. Uh, got them a little bit of match readiness, at least, uh, ahead of... You know what they've been brought in to do the Copa Libertadores showdown against Boca. Uh, Racing's one goal came from the wonderfully named Baltasar Rodriguez, 20 years old, because uh, apparently you have to be 20 or younger to score for Racing these days. Um, and then a bit of a goalkeeping blooper from the number. Number two keeper? Yeah, number two keeper, I think that's right. He's not. Doesn't really make sense because number two keepers never wear number two, but yeah, number thirteen. The number thirteen keeper. Unlucky for some. And then unlucky for Matias Taliamonte, who fumbled a pretty standard cross and left it on the laces of another twenty year old, Gonzalo Morales, who scored for Union and Former Boca, I think. Kid. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, Gonzalo or Javier? This is one of his Javier. Gonzalo, I think. Mm-hmm. Promieros has him as Gonzalo, and I oh, tend he to. He must be either Gonzalo Javier or Javier Gonzalo in that case. Yes. But, uh, his preview picture on Sofa Score suggests that Andres is correct and think he's former Boca because he appears to be wearing. I mean, he's wearing a blue kit with mm. yellow Adidas stripes on the shoulders. So. <laughs> Seems, yeah, fairly. Uh, oh, and it also says bad. that he's just transferred from Boca to yeah. Union, which makes sense. No, but a fun game. Uh, lots of chances for both teams. Both uh, put out really young uh, first 11s, like average age of 24 for, for both teams. They just went at it. Like, uh, you know, not the result Racing were probably looking for. If you consider that, as well as the Libertadores, they have to think about getting into next year's Copa, which is always a tough balancing act. You know, we've said it loads of times with regards to River, with regards to Boca, and I think with Racing, at this time it's even more acute. Uh, of a problem because they just don't have the squad even to to battle on one front, let alone two after the kind of injuries and exodus they had. But they gave it a good go, and it's kind of reassuring to see that these uh, these young kids um, who are coming through. I think you can point out uh, Santino Vera, seventeen years old, and really did boss the midfield for for Racing. Played the whole ninety minutes. Uh, they're going to be asked, I think, to hold down the fort for as long as. This Libertadores adventure lasts, and seems like they can do it. Like a lot of them have, have come in and look really useful. Mm. Um, obviously, the main purpose of this episode, as I said at the start, is to preview the competition as a whole rather than review the first round. Not least because after this week, uh, I'm going to be away for a couple of months, yeah. and we're going to be recording very sporadically indeed, and we're not going to be doing weekly reviews. So I think it makes more sense to, to preview. And one of the things that um, jumps out at me, in fact, I'm, I'm going to have to uh, 
earn up to this not being uh, an observation of my own. It's something that Seva pointed out when the draw was first made in our WhatsApp group. Um, is that all, I think he's right in saying all, but if not, then pretty much all, of the teams involved in the relegation scrap have been drawn in the same group of the Copa de la Liga. Not um, far off, I think Central Córdoba, Tigre, uh, Platense are, are in Group B, but the others, Arsenal, Barracas Central, Independiente are probably just above it, but you know, Banfield, Gimnasia... What do you mean uh, Independiente are above it? They're tied for the second relegation spot. Oh, because I'm looking at the table. Yeah, sorry, you're right. Yeah, I'm not looking at the annual table because ah. I'm forgetting <laughs> that I need to open my browser and go to yes. Premier <laughs> For that one, I'm getting very confused by this already, fortunately. I'm not allowed to pay much attention to they, it. They are complicated anyway, I think, for both or not. Both the... No, it's dependent on... Like, Arsenal are going to occupy the bottom spot in both tables, pretty much, whatever happens. Um, uh, and the annual table is the one which is going to yield the second relegation spot, and so that's the only relevant one, really, unless Arsenal win 10 games in this Copa de la Liga, which... It's going to be a tough ask. Yeah. Um, and Huracan, who are currently second in, in Group A, having won their match at the weekend. Um, but, you know, by happy coincidence, I guess, I don't know whether it is a coincidence or whether the app have done it deliberately, but one of the more unfair things, as we pointed out, I think a few weeks ago when we were first ranting about this way round that they've decided to do the competitions, is that you could get relegated without having played the team who you know, just scrape survival a point above you. And it seems like that's unlikely to happen mm. when they've stuck most of the relegated or relegation-threatened teams in the same group. Um, yes, indeed. So, yeah, I mean, that feels like it's probably a deliberate decision, but also if we're talking about Argentine football here, so it wouldn't entirely surprise me if it turns out that they did the draw and then were like, oh, look at that, isn't that... Yeah, let's pretend we planned that. Um, so, yeah, the, the format is... Pretty simple though, it's uh, two groups of 14 teams each, and the top four in each group will go through to the round of eight, also known as the quarterfinals, mm. um, which I think is going to be first in group A against fourth in group B, and second in group A against third in group B, and so on. Um, so, yeah. Yes. Each team in the group plays against each other, and mm. there's also a Fecha de los Clásicos, that most beloved of gimmicks, uh, where each team, team plays their classical rival from the other group. Again, we will, we will watch play, for example, Central Córdoba, Santiago Lester against Atlético Tucumán, because they are close. Storied classical yes. of Argentine football. But not because they are, I mean, they are from nearby mm. provinces and they, they could be classical, but not real, real classicals. Yeah. Mm. Um, the favourites, and, and I mean, you know, the, the group of favourites. I mean, I feel like if we've been recording this prior to the first round of matches, uh, which was the plan, because Sofa Score told me <laughs> that the first round of matches was going to be this weekend, as I think I mentioned last week, and then it wasn't. Um, but I, th I feel like if, if we have been, then we'd be saying, well, you know, can anybody beat River? But now it's yeah, traditionally very much yes, because someone already <laughs> beat River. Traditionally, we, we should say, yes, they are the champions reigning uh, actual champions and it, it has sense uh, it makes sense for them to call them uh, candidates but I think well apart from the match they lost against Argentina juniors we must say that a massive changes like 
the bad luck of having the both uh, center backs or, or uh, that usually or they were the, in, in the main lineup were both injured so Mamana who is not fit and not giving providing any any security and uh, um, Funes Mori uh, make, making his second debut for River were the, the, the ones who played against Argentina Juniors as an emer emergency we would say and well as usual River had massive mistakes mistakes that ending goals from the rival mm. which is you can you could make mistakes and that that doesn't make or doesn't end up with the goal well in the case of River every mistake that they make they pay with the goal uh, and uh, it was the case and apart from that I th I think or at least for what uh, I, I watched uh, from these uh, the last days or weeks apparently the Michelis is preparing the, the, the team for next Copa Libertadores I mean him I think well I won't it's okay my first tournament or my first league as a, as a manager of River was successful now I will take this Copa de Liga as, as a, a laboratory I would yeah. say and uh, try to prepare the best possible team for next in fact there is a player who has been bought by River, Fonseca, the Uruguayan midfielder, Nicolas Fonseca, I think it's Nicolas, mm. and he won't... Uh, oh, it's only in January, isn't it? Yes, oh, he won't come now. He will be signing next... I mean, he uh, signed for River, but for next uh, year. Sorry, Andres. For a moment there, I thought you said lavatory, and I was very confused <laughs> until it finally clicked that. I mean, yeah, that's, that's one way to go about it, yeah. <laughs> um, the other thing, I guess, is that it's, it feels relatively unusual in, in the last few years, at least, for a team to win two competitions back-to-back. -back. Yes, uh, Boca did it just last year. Copa de la Liga and uh, Liga Profesional. Yes. Yes. Thus proving the exception. <laughs> right uh, the last time it happened. But, I mean... I think it... Uh, sorry, sorry, no, carry on. No, carry No, I think it's uh, an interesting format because, you know, obviously, unlike the league... Finishing top, it's always nice, you know, you get a slightly more favourable seeding, but I don't think in the general, the grand scheme of things, it matters too much. Um, it's all about just getting in that top four and that opens it up to kind of a lot of teams, that, especially I think the ones um, fighting relegation, they might be a little bit more motivated um, than a lot of the teams who are already as, as in mid-table in the sort of a yeah, they won it bravely, battling against relegation, and as it turned out, eventually got relegated. But played the next year's Libertadores was that three years ago? They won it four years ago, two thousand nineteen. Yeah, um, which I think makes it very interesting because you can definitely imagine a team like Uragan, team like Vélez, even Independiente, just putting together you know five wins, basically playing for their lives, you know, under dire threats from Navarra, and just getting there in the into the conversation for the playoffs and and then you know who knows if you look at the league there's so little I think separating probably uh, the bottom I don't know, number 22 teams yeah and two of those are, are guaranteed to be in in the playoffs so you um, it's just, definitely open you just mentioned Independiente you have a new coach yeah. of course new coach that is oh, what I was yeah. just Carlos Yelitsky out Carlos Carlos Tevez. Tevez. In. Carlitos. Real football man. Mm. 
how's that been received by the Independiente fan base? He asks a room full of not, dogs. Not good by the normal supporters and very good from the Barras. That is mm. odd, but Ooh. it happened. Yeah. Interesting. So it's it's an appointment that the board have gone through to placate. Uh, I won't even say a section of the support mm. because you all know how the pod's editorial line on whether the Barras count as supporters or not. Um, <laughs> I did like Tervis's kind of opening statement in his press conference. Just stood up and goes... Tengo, tengo huevos para agarrar. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to translate that for our listeners, Tom? Yeah, I mean, what well, he was trying to get to is, you know, I've got the balls to take this on, but it came out saying, you know, I've got balls to grab. Yes. Carlos Tevez is trademark command of language eloquence yes that he's always been known for um, <laughs> it will be interesting and, because and another thing sorry and which could also uh, come as a phrase for 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 football phrases in Argentina which is I we are dejar la vida mm. I will live my life here which will you like Carlos will you no please <laughs> at least for now I mean um, it, it was an appointment that I found interesting because as we mentioned you know, like last year, he, he kind of, at Rosario Central, he, he didn't crash and burn. No. But he also didn't really do anything particularly impressive. No, I mean, at you first, can give him credit the, for bringing through a, through a few kids. of the kids. Velis, I think, got a little bit more time on the Tevez, Buonanotti. Mm. But I mean, I don't know if that's entirely compatible with a team, you know, fighting for their lives in relegation. Yeah. And, and as I said, I think I'm, I probably said at the time, he gave, like, while he was a player, he used to give interviews saying, oh, you know, I don't really like football that yeah. much, I just happen to be really good at it, and it, it was my way out of the hood, as yeah. it were. I mean, he said and in so January he didn't even watch the World Cup. Like. Yeah, and, and yet now, he, and, and so when, when he took over at Central, a lot of us were like, well, he's mates yeah. with the president or one of the directors or something, so maybe it's something to do with this, or, you know, a big payday or some kind of marketing agreement with the club, because mm. he'd never struck anybody as going into management, yet now here he is setting out on his second managerial yeah. job. It's... There's a whole kind of political thing as well because right now, I think we mentioned on the podcast, the acting president or interim president uh, is the pro uh, mayor for Lanús, mm. who's just actually gone on a month's leave from Independiente. We should uh, clarify that pro is the name of the party. He's not. Yeah. In, he's not somebody else who's in favour of the mayor of Lanús. He is himself the mayor of Lanús. <laughs> yes, and. The Pro Party was founded, of course, by Mauricio Macri. Mm. Mauricio Macri is a very close friend and always has been of Carlos Tevez, and Tevez has always leaned towards that party. So it does seem a little bit like he's jumped in, possibly to do his uh, his political mates a favour, kind of okay. keep the the pro tentacles in. So you're saying after the elections, uh, after the national elections in October, he might quietly leave. I, I can't predict how it will go. Um, I think from his point of view, there's not that much to lose. Like, you know, it takes... Something to do, isn't it? Something to do, yeah. He's just bored. He, he goes down with Independiente. Fuck it. He just won't bother coaching again and go play golf. And if he does, he's a hero. Yeah. Right. And, and he's, you know... I can't imagine him losing off. sleep about, you know, whether to go 5-3-2, 4-4-2, 4-3-3, the night before a relegation six-pointer. And when the Classico comes round, he'll have a nice, you know, be able to say hello to his old teammate. They, they must have played each other at some point, mustn't they? With each other, I mean. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, in uh, 2018, Libertadores, they were both on the bench. Yes. Did they get on? 
Was there beef between them? Because I'm trying to find an angle here ahead of the classical. I don't think Gangle ever so fit enough to, <laughs> to have beef um, just get destroyed his ligaments. Um, so yeah, that was well remembered. Uh, Chris, you, you pointed out. That was me. That was my one contribution to this pod so far. <laughs> um, any other managerial changes? Uh, oh, I'm sure I feel they like have been, yeah. the main. Oh, well, obviously he's the main one because he's the only one of the big five who's changed mm. managers. Um, who's in charge of San Lorenzo these days? Still, still in Suaya. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Good. Just thought we'd better check that in case they <laughs> got bored of winning matches one 0 Drawing them nil nil or losing Ooh. them one nil. Um, any other teams who've had some kind of a significant thing happen other than Boca signing Kamami or whatnot? Because we've talked about Boca already um, in a previous episode, not already in this Ooh. episode, I mean. Uh, during the break between competitions. Not that I can think of, to be honest. I mean, everybody's lost some players, everybody's yeah. signed some players, that's the normal churn of stuff, and we're not going to go into transfer rumours that... We won't end. Or stories, yeah, and plus, you know, a lot of the players, I always kind of find when we do it before, when we've done it in past years, a lot of the players are players who we probably won't end up mentioning again for the rest of the season. Unless they have an incredibly successful season, and if that happens, we can always just go. Oh, he joined it. River made official, for example, the signing of Gonzalo Piti Martinez, who is back. Oh yeah, that's actually a big story. So that, yes, well, yeah. though he's still injured and he has at least for one more month of recovery. <laughs> it's strange, but yes, it is like that. He uh, ended his contract, or I mean, he broke his contract with Al Nasser of mm-hmm. Saudi Arabia, and uh, well, as a free player, came to River. At least, uh, apparently, uh, uh, he he could make his debut in case it's necessary in by the end of September. That feels like another signing to prepare for next year's Liga Dolores, yes. though, really, doesn't it? Um, so overall, competition-wise, we've given you the uh, I was going to say schedule. What do I mean to say? Format. Um, um, we kind of mentioned before. We mentioned, I think, during the first year of the Copa de la Liga. And it's still kind of how I feel about it, really. It's a silly competition that probably shouldn't really be there, but it is entertaining. And it's it gets really fun, watch. kind of five or six matches from the end, and then in the playoffs. Is it counting as a league championship this year? Have they decided oh, that yet? Are they going to no, decide it again? <laughs> that doesn't get decided until like the second leg of the semi-final. Or yeah. Depending on who it looks like is the most likely team to win it, perhaps. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, so the groups anyway, because I, I don't think that we've actually talked about this because last week we were deliberately not previewing the competition because we had to stick to Libertadores stuff. Uh, the groups are, and I'm going to read to you them in the order that they currently are, so from 1st to 14th, these are the standings as well after one match, for what that matters. Uh, group A is Tacheres, Huracan, Argentinos and Colón in the, currently in the qualification spots after one game. And then Instituto, Vélez, Atlético Tucumán, Cent- Rosario Central, River, Arsenal, Barracas Central, Independiente, Banfield and Gimnasia. And Group B, therefore, obviously, you all have already mentally filled these gaps in yourselves, is Boca, Sarmiento, Newells, Belgrano, San Lorenzo, Racing, Union, Godoy Cruz, Defensa y Justicia. Obviously, those last two teams have not played any matches yet because the match was postponed. Estudiantes, Lanús, Platense, Central, Córdoba and Tigre. We should at least mention that uh, the Boca match, once anything more, but it included Edison... Cavani's oh, yeah. first um, goal back in South American club football since 
must be like 2007 or whatever when he left the Uruguay. Mm. So, yeah, he scored in Edison. the 55th Fabulous. minute. An assist from Ezequiel Sebastos, who had scored Boca's opening goal. Uh, he made it, so Cavani made it 2 0. Um, Platense then pulled one back oh, quite shortly afterwards, I see, through Nicolas Morgantini. And Christian Medina put the gloss on the scoreline in stoppage time. So welcome back to the... Uh, he first goal ever in Argentina or he has goal. scored some when he played in Copa America? Yeah, I was just thinking that. I think he must have scored one maybe in the Copa America at some point. Well, no, that's why I said in club football. Yeah, 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 club no, yes. no, the rest is saying is it his first goal in Argentina, full stop. No, he so. scored loads in 2011, the Copa America. Yes, he scored right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just look one up. one observation that I was I mean it's obviously talking about the Boca Racing game which we're going to go to uh, in a moment with the Lopes Azores but he does look like he's in very good shape I was expecting him yeah, to be a th- bit more but I think he always does he's just a very uh, 36 years old beautiful man. I know but like <laughs> I just like I don't know maybe he's lost half, half a yard of pace but at the same time like in terms of like physicality I feel mm. like he could be a very strong success at Boca given that there's not a lot of el- much else going on there. Yeah, um, I feel. Oh, like I think he he's could probably carry well, yeah. the team on his own with goals for at least twelve months. Um, and even when he's not scoring, I think I mentioned it last week after kind of joking a bit about the chance he missed against Nacional. Even when he's not scoring, he does so much for the team. He's yes. so busy that I saw him uh, last night. Well, this is yes. where I'll stop. Uh, kind of, of yeah, filling in it almost at right back, getting right in the mix in corners, getting the ball out, clearing, and then yeah. just charging up the pitch. Um, yeah, very uh, a real real grafter that boy. And as we found, well, as I saw <laughs> watching their matches on television and following news about them uh, when he signed for Man United, he demands a lot of younger players in the squad as well. He's a very good kind of coach as part of the senior playing team. Which is a really good fit for Boca right now, yeah. given that there's a lot of youngsters in that lineup. Yes, the former coach of Boca, Rolfa Rovarrena, talked about that, saying that he will bring, which is strange because as, as, as the players weren't professional, that he will bring professionality to, to the squad. Mm. Uh, which, of course, it's, that, it's true that he, with the, the, the career he has already had, it's true that he his behavior and the way he trains might be an example for the kids, especially. But it's anyway it's strange. Yeah, he, yes, he will be professional. We bring professionality. But yes, I think that independently of the physical form he is, that will be good for for, for the other yeah. kids. And I'm going to just correct Dan with apologies. He didn't score during the 2011 Copa America. Did he not? Oh, he didn't score. Oh, he only scored two goals for Uruguay during 2011. Uh, and those were in a friendly in Dublin in March and a World Cup qualifier in Montevideo against Bolivia um, in October. And the friendly in Dublin was against Ireland. Um, but in the 2011 Copa America, his Wikipedia page reminds me, he got injured during the group stage and was out until the final. Oh, he, he did. Oh, that's right. I think he played the. I remember whether it was the assist or the or the mm. penultimate pass for one of the goals in the final. I remember watching him in the final, him the monument done, and yeah. he had a really good game. And I think my mind just kind of filled in the blanks and said, "Ah, oh, he must have bossed that tournament." Yeah, he he played. I seem to remember a raking pass mm. across the pitch, which Luis Suarez headed down for Diego Forlan to score maybe the third goal or something in the final, yeah. or something like that. Uh, he has scored a few goals in Copa's America. He scored twice in 2019 and twice in 2021. So, of course, had the latter been held where it was meant to be held, 
he might have scored before now in Argentina. I'm not sure which group they would have been drawn in. Um, but he hasn't done until now. So now he has. So oh, good yeah. question, Andres. Yeah. And the answer is no World Cup qualifiers, anything like that? Uh, no, it doesn't look like he's scored again. Oh, hang on. Oh, right, he scored again. Argentina in Tel Aviv in a friendly in yeah. 2019. And... Tel Aviv. that game at all? Uh, no, not quite. Argentina, and Uruguay in Tel Aviv. Tel Aviv. At home, he scored at, uh, at home in Montevideo in October 2013 against Argentina. It's good on the Wikipedia, it just tells you who, who they were playing all these matches. Those are the only two. So he's oh. never scored against Argentina in Argentina. Well, there you go. Pecho Frio. <laughs> if you want to find out what that means, then sign up to patreon.com slash hand of pod. And uh, sometime next month, we're going to be, or, or possibly in. September, I'm not quite sure when I'm going to be scheduling that episode. But anyway, sometime while I'm away, that episode will be going online. And it's all about football terminology in Argentine football, in Argentina. Don't need to repeat the word football, do I? Anyway, uh, since we've just been talking about Cavani, why don't we now take a half-time break and then when we come back, we can do what I can tell Dan's champing at the bit to do and spend ages and ages talking about the thrilling match oh. last night. Or the Boca Juniors and Racing in the Copa Libertadores. Don't go away. So far, had three matches from the quarterfinals of the Copa Libertadores de América. They have finished Bolívar nil, Internacional one, Boca nil, Racing nil, and Deportivo Pereira nil, Palmeiras four. So all very much still to play for. Um, Fluminense versus Olimpia is going to be played in about an hour and a quarter as we speak. It kicks off at half nine on Thursday night. I have to be honest, I probably won't bother giving you the um, full-time score for that one. You can look it up on your phones because it doesn't involve Argentine teams and doing so is going to be considerably more of a pain in the arse editing-wise tonight than it normally would be because of the number of files we're going to have on the microphone at the end of the evening. Mm -hmm. On account of all of the Patreon recordings we're doing after this. Go you are safe to say that three out of four teams will be from Brazil? Well, I mean, I, as I've just said, I, I think Pereira are really in with a shout in us. Um, yeah. Bolivar haven't been the worst Bolivian representatives in recent years or in the history of the Libertadores, but I find it difficult to see them going to Porto Alegre and getting a result at River. I mean, River didn't even hang on to a, a win in the first leg, did they? Um, yeah, losing at home isn't round, so. ideal for Bolivar in the first leg. Yeah. Um, it's just full-on chat ball for Internacional. Yeah. Uh, Olympia have the second leg at home and I can see them doing something against Fluminense, but it's going to be... It's all, obviously, I might look very silly by the time this episode goes online because yeah. it also wouldn't be entirely surprising if Fluminense scored like six goals. <laughs> Such as the Libertadores. Exactly. I think Olympia have, have been very tight so far. Um, mm. In this Libertadores, let me just... Well, they got past Flamengo in the last round. Yeah. 
um, and looked pretty impressive doing so. And they were in a group. I think with they might have even been the best qualifying team from the group stages, mm-hmm. albeit in the worst group yeah, by in, quite in, some distance. That's right. Atletico Nacional, Patronato, and Melgar was the yeah. group they came. In fact, from. they were better, for example, than Flamengo because they played the second leg in Paraguay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. But consider this, you know, they only conceded four goals in the group stage and that included two games against Nacional mm. and Racing conceded that in just one game against Atletico Nacional. So Indeed. Um, speaking, speaking of Racing and not conceding many goals, they somehow managed not to concede any last night in what looks, at least based on the statistics, because I didn't see any of it, uh, like it was a quite a one-sided match. It was and it wasn't. Um, to... Make a kind of fair assessment. It was a very one-sided first half. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Basically, I think entirely Racing and Fernando Gago's fault because for some reason he thought the same formation and essentially the same lineup, which did so well in Medellin against Atlético Nacional, yeah. was the way to go against uh, Boca, who. If you're new to the podcast. Uh, in the last couple of weeks, we'll just point out that that was sarcasm from Dan Racing. I mean, I just mentioned they conceded four goals, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and kind of most egregious of all, sticking poor Tobias Rubio, 19 year old right back who has blonde played Toby. blonde Toby. Um I thought this last night, uh, just as a side note, there aren't enough Toby. Tobias's or Tobias's mm. in world football. I'd like to see that name yeah. pop up a little bit more because it's a solid football name, I think. Mm. Anyway, uh, name notwithstanding, he's played about eight matches, I think, nine matches of professional football. And he was basically asked to mark Frank Fabra and uh, Valentin Barco, uh, I think probably the two most dangerous left sided. Uh, Wingers slash fullbacks in the entirety of Argentine football. Certainly took the most direct. Yes. As well as, yeah. With absolutely no help whatsoever um, from Jonathan Gomez, who in theory was supposed to be covering that side, but just was shit as usual. Uh, so he had a harrowing first half, and Boca just ran right down that left flank. Um, to not huge effect, I don't think. Um, they had a decent header from Cavani, uh, which was saved well by, by Arias, and Nicolas Soros kind of charged back and narrowly avoided scoring an own goal with a very neat flick with uh, one of those low crosses. There, there was a goal, Sierra. but disallowed. Yeah, I mean, Boca tried to get away with you know the ball boy sticking the ball in the corner spot when no one was ready. And uh, Barco, I think it was, just taking the corner quickly and the ref was not having any of it even before the goal went in the net. Obviously, Boca fans are now outraged that this was this goal, which was completely against every single rule and normal of uh, professional football, wasn't allowed. But I thought know, the referee refereed the game quite well. And it's weird to say that, but... Um... Yeah, there was uh, people saying that Rojo could have been sent I, off. That that was my only. I I would I've, have I've given just, him a red card. I've just looked at who the referee is, and I think it might be the first time anyone said that in his career. Well, that's nice. I mean, you know, I think yeah, as well. Like first half, he had a bit of a nightmare. Um, second half, 
when the game calmed down a little bit. Uh, he didn't but too badly. In, but in spite of me, it might. He's not the first ref who should have sent off Marcus Rojo and didn't, to be fair. Well, we'll get to that in a second. I was, no, I was just going to say about the Rojo um, kind of elbow. It was so blatant. I can't believe that he didn't even get like a second check or anything. Like, it was like. There was no way that that was accidental. It was, like, it was, it was definitely a half second before he'd even like mm. tried to head or kind of was, win the ball and sh- should have been a red card 100% for Rojo. As I say, I haven't seen the game. Um, I had been... So I went for dinner at a friend's house last night. I was planning to watch it later on, but we got back much later than expected because the bus didn't turn up. And then I was going to watch it this afternoon, but we had to spend the afternoon cat wrangling and getting over to my girlfriend's aunt's house in order to uh, be able to go on our trip at the weekend. So I've not been able to watch it yet. But is the Rojo red card that apparently should have been the same foul that he was actually booked for halfway through the first half? Yes. Yes. something else? It is. So he showed him a yellow card after establishing that, yes, he had elbowed him in the first half. They gave him a yellow. I mean, the elbow was crystal clear. But it was very clear. Uh, To give my own little personal story on the match, I I watched the first half that did start to fall asleep towards the end because I'm up early for work at the moment. Um... I was like you going to watch it back this afternoon, but seeing that it was nil-nil and apparently the second half wasn't much stronger than the first, I chose not to. And I feel good about myself the fact that I didn't carry on and and yeah. and, and rewatch. And and it, it all it sets up though is a really tasty tie in a vision hour. In, oh, absolutely! And um, I think Racing, to be honest, uh, looking back and kind of forgetting how ropey and how horrendous to watch at times it was. Uh, I've every right to be pleased with the result at least because it was a really weak side they put out um, and that side's not going to look particularly like the team that goes out next weekend in Cilindro. Uh, you had Juan Quintero and Agustino Mendra who both came off the bench and gave the team a little bit more substance in midfield. Uh, you think they're both going to be starting in Avellaneda. Uh, Rocha Martinez um, is, as long as you know he's able to hobble on one leg, he has to come in for Maxi Romero, who adds, poor guy, just an absolute shocker, like, just an, an anonymous presence on the pitch, who somehow had a really good chance at the end, kind of this ball that was looped over, he was completely free uh, to just take it down and uh, go at Sergio Romero, and he basically just sat on the pitch and tried to backhead it <laughs> past Romero, who hadn't come out, was just standing on his line and was like, oh, cheers, mate. He was praying to be upside. I, 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 because he just didn't want the ball to come to him the I've entire just, match. I've just looked him up to make sure, before I say this, that I'm not embarrassing myself by getting him mixed up with a different Maxi Romero. And it is the Maxi is. Romero I was thinking of. I'm not aware of him having played an awful lot at centre-forward up to this point in his career. He's tended to be more like a winger or an inside-forward. He's definitely not a centre-forward. I mean, that that's, like, that's that is beyond better, discussion. Like, you know, attacking yeah. midfielder, he can play in a range of yeah, positions. Yeah. None of them are number nine. And Racing have been using him in, as centre-forward for, I don't know, the last two or three matches at least that I'm aware of. For most of the year. And yeah. he's just proved incapable of scoring goals or even really threatening to score goals aside from in very, very specific situations. Um... I mean, it's, you know, a necessity really since Racing basically haven't had anyone else for the job most of the year. But uh, I'd feel a lot better if he is not in the team. 
next week and Roger Martinez is. Um, but yeah, as I say, you came out of that, you got a result which I think gives Racing a slight advantage. Uh, going into the second leg, it's kind of a, an awkward result for Boca because they kind of had to have to decide with, between just doing the Boca thing, not even attempting to go forward and playing for penalties or actually playing a game of football. Anyway, the lack of, uh, of the away goal uh, advantage, I, I think that because of that, they, Boca won't be attacking. They like, definitely won't be attacking no. like or anything uh, that looks like attacking. Do you um, think they might like try a kind of smash and grab on the left-hand side with try and hook it into Cavani and then... Not even that, I don't think, because no. I think in the last 20 minutes or so, kind of when Racing actually had some capable footballers on the pitch, uh, they showed that they can get a bocker and, and make the spaces, even uh, having been on the back foot for most of the game. And that's going to be something that troubles Bocker, I think, uh, kind of playing for this match. And it's just a bocker way, they're just going to go completely into their shell. But with Roger, with Juanfer, you know, these are players who can bust open a game and... And that's encouraging for Racing. You know, I don't want to get too confident, but definitely, you know, just not losing in La Bombonera and having to face a solid wall of eleven players uh, who all know exactly what they have to do, which is nothing. Um, it's positive for Racing. Last time Boca beat Racing in the Cilindro, do you remember? I've got it here in front of me. Twenty twenty-one. Considerably longer ago than that. It's uh, been a while. Yeah, it has been a while. Nineteen oh one. Somewhere in between, I reckon. It has been since Boca were founded as a club, Chris. I can assure uh, you of that. They had lost in the Copa Libertadores, but then they. It was in the Copa Libertadores. Twenty seventeen. Unless I'm drastically misreading this, the last time in the Cilindro. Obviously, Boca have beaten Racing several times since then, but the last time that they won away against Racing was on the 13th of April 2016 Ooh. in the group stage of that year's Libertadores. Racing nil, yeah. Boca won. Goal by uh, Nicolas Lodeiro. Remember him? Now uh, I remember that goal, yeah. Minute. I'd almost blank that match from, even that entire group stage from my memory last night. Racing played Boca in the Libertadores group stage. Yeah. I know that the last time they played in the Libertadores was a Racing win. 1 0 in December 2020. Pandemic year. In the quarterfinals. And then Boca won 2 0 in La Bombanera and went through. Uh huh. Um, moving on, we've had one Copa Argentina match that we can tell you about since we last recorded. And as Dan pointed out, Bit of a classic, mm. although maybe not strictly for the goals flying in everywhere sense. Um, it finished Bishamitre nil, Chaco forever nil, and Chaco forever went through 4 3 after a shootout, which means that Chaco forever are in the Copa Argentina quarterfinals. The first quarterfinals, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, congratulations to them. And they'll play. Estudiantes of somewhere, Rio Cuarto, I think, or Defensa y Justicia. So they could make a run of it. Though. We were watching the game a little bit, weren't we? We were. Uh, following a Parisha. And 
it was kind of in the middle of the afternoon mm. on a Wednesday in, in Kilmes' Stadium. Mm. So it was a very quiet affair, but the actual chances on the pitch were... Few, there were a, there were a few good moments. It wasn't yeah. like a terrible nil nil. And I was very puzzled why there was anyone in the stadium. Why these people don't have jobs? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it came up. <laughs> uh, looking at the stats, it looks like Richard Mitro have got only themselves to blame. Really, this, if these numbers are accurate, eleven shots but two on target against Chapel Forever's five shots with three on target. It's so, not great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, congratulations, Chapel Forever. This has to be the best performance they've ever had in a national top level national competition. I think so. The best performance ever. Yes. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> uh, we've had Sudan Medicana games as well. Slightly, oh, we have, slightly yes. higher level. Um, arguably. <laughs> uh, those have been, let me just get them up now. Uh, Corinthians beat Estudiantes de la Plata 1-0 in San Paulo on Tuesday night, I think, right? Sam, ask me who scored the goal. Who scored the goal, Dan? Ah, just San Gil. Yeah, very good. (laughs) Definitely going to need to explain that for our non-Spanish speaking. Um, Gil in Brazil is a name, uh, but Gil in Argentina is an arsehole, I guess, yeah, yeah, bit of a dick. And also a surname for some people. And also, yeah, for some unfortunates, a surname. His, there was a footballer called Jesus Gil or something like that, about 10 years ago, who we mentioned no, a few times on the podcast. Wasn't that the president of Atletico? Isn't Gil. The Gil family. Yes. Aptly named for what they did in Atletico. Yeah. Um, Botafogo and Defensa y Justicia drew 1-1 in Rio de Janeiro with uh, <laughs> a goal, goal from Gabriel Pires set up... <laughs> Set up by Chichi. Oh, I was hoping Chichi. Chichi, no? Chichi. No, oh, because it's got the uh, two, two the triangle. T-C-H-E with a circumflex, and then the same again. That's excellent. Chichi. Um, Defensio So good, they named it twice. Defensio Odisea equalised about 20 minutes after that through Nicolas Tripiccio, who also has quite an enjoyable name to say, but we're, just, we're more used to it. Um, and currently ongoing... America Mineiro are losing 3-1 at home to Fortaleza in an all-Brazilian clash and Liga Deportiva Universitaria de Quito are beating São Paulo uh, 2-0 at the moment. Both of those games have about 20 minutes, 20 minutes plus stoppage time. By Luis Subaldia, I don't know. But oh, yeah, we didn't know Luis Subaldia had gone to Liga de Quito, but yes. apparently he has. Yes, I, and what I don't know... Also, it's whether there was a, another coach between, because there was Ubeda winning Copa Libertadores like, mm. with, with them, and uh, Luis Valdia in the middle. I don't think so, but uh, apparently they like Argentinian coaches. Yeah, yeah well, curiously so enough. I think it was somewhere else in Ecuador as well, wasn't it, a few years ago? <coughs> Barcelona. Yes. 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 Yeah, curiously enough, Liga de Quito have two ex Racing players in their starting lineup. As well as Pablo Guerrero, Mauricio Martinez, and they're coached by an ex racing coach. So, yeah, good luck. Indeed. And oh, one I was about to say, and Piovi in midfield, but it's not the same Piovi. It's Ezequiel Piovi. Yeah, I don't know if he's any relation, but he's definitely not the one who's currently playing in Racing no. because he's currently playing in Racing. And Johan Julio on the left wing. J H O J A N. Jay Julio. He played for, I think, for Independiente del Valle when 
that team eliminated both River and Boca from Copa Libertadores. Ah, uh, yes. 2017, I think. Good memory. I can yeah. confirm that Ezekiel is Gonzalo Piovi's brother. Oh, wow. Oh. Okay, there you go. So another Racing And uh, Lucas Moro is playing for Sao Paulo as well. Mm. Mm. As are... No one else, sorry. Oh, Jonathan Caleri's up front. That's the name we recognise. Yes. Um, but, yep, there we go. The others have all been watching more of that match than I have because I've got my back to the television, but it is the one that we've had on while we've been recording. Um, I think that we can move on to listeners' questions, gents. What do you think? Okay. Yes. It's going to be a very short and sweet... As, as long as there's listeners' questions about Messi. Uh, there are not. Do you have something to say about Messi, Chris? Well, he won the... League's Cup, I think yeah. that was um, confirmed since we last... Yes, that was Saturday. Saturday. Mm-hmm. And now he's in the US Open Cup final. Yes. After winning yesterday. But it was quite a nice moment when uh, like he won the trophy and obviously he's kept arrived as captain but still gave the uh, trophy-lifting duties to DeAndre Yedlin, Ooh. who was the previous Inter-Miami captain oh. of their very long and illustrious history as a club. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Historic captain. But yeah, no, good for Messi. He seemed happy. And he set up a goal, I think, against Cincinnati in the US Open Cup the other day. Didn't score one himself. No. Is that he's... Not the first time he's played without scoring for them, isn't it? Yes, yeah. I believe so, yeah. <laughs> set up two, both of them for Leo Campana, mm. the Ecuadorian mm. striker. That's right, yeah. Um... Anyway, list of questions then. We have had two of them, and they are both contained in one tweet from Liam Kelly, who is not a relation to me. Uh, he says, first of all, will Carlos Tevez save Independiente? I mean, save them from themselves. I, I was going to say, it depends. If we're talking save from relegation, then I, I think that the fact that there are other teams worse than them. And there were only two relegation spots and Arsenal have got one of them so tied up that they've actually got two of them tied up and another one has had to be opened up. He's um, going to save Independiente more than anything else. Yeah, they'd have to be really, 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 really bad from here until the end of uh, Copa Liga to, to go down. Because it, especially considering, as we, as we said in the first half, they're playing a lot of people who are in that mix of them who yeah. aren't very good as well. They, uh, I don't know, they seem like they've been quite flat for a few years in Dependiente, so someone like Tevez coming in might just spark things up, at least momentarily. Maybe not long term. No, I know what you mean. I mean, they won the Sudamericana in, since we started recording. When, like 2013 or 14? No, not 14, obviously. They won in 2010 and 2017. Oh, yeah, I remember that, 2017 entirely. Um, but in the league, <laughs> I, I feel like they've been very, very... Just Mid-table-ish, right. flat. For basically as long as Hamburg Pod has been a podcast. Mm. I mean, they were definitely better when we started. They'd just finished second or third in the previous championship and had a couple of good campaigns. But overall, just um, I, I think that we have talked about Independiente as much as we have on this podcast because they're one of the big five. And also because, obviously, they got relegated a few years ago. Um, so, yeah, I know what you mean about the flat... So we'll just, just start things up, get people talking, and then, you know, see what, you know, throw a bit of shit at the wall and see what sticks yeah. with Tevez. And, and get people talking about them 
on the pitch, hopefully, for, for a change, because so much of when we do discuss them is about, oh, this president's coming and trying to do something about the Barra Brava, and the Barra Brava have run him out of town, so now this guy's coming, he's completely in the Barra Brava's pocket, <laughs> and he's all going to take the wall, and now this other guy's coming, who's the head of the biggest union in the country, and he's doing it for political reasons, and is massively corrupt, and all the rest. And then they elect the anti-unionist anti unionist right-wing <laughs> party. Yeah. Just swaying from one extreme Lovely bit of continuity, yeah. Fortunately, there are no... Uh, real-world political um, ramifications, or indeed parallels that we can draw from this. Andres, you look like you were going to say something. No, it's, uh, I think it's quite uh, difficult for, for independent to, to be safe from relegation when, I mean, of course, the presidents don't play. But the former president, I think the one who won the elections and then resigned, I think it's again at the, at the TV show, as it, as it never happened. And Grindetti, as I think Dan mentioned earlier, uh, he's also, uh, well, he, I think he lost the, the election, the, the interim election for the mayor right. of, of the province of Buenos Aires, but he's, he will set, uh, stand for the elections anyway, I think. Yes, Grindetti yes. didn't finish first in the vote for governor, and he lost by ah. five or six points, but he did win the primary in his party, oh. so he will stand for the general election. Yeah. And I have to say, he didn't make a huge amount of independent friends by going on TV the next day and saying, um, yeah, me getting, reading between the lines, me getting invited governor, governor is a lot more important than independent. Mm. Obviously he said getting rid of the cancer who's there now, but you know, two plus two. Indeed. Uh, Liam's other question is, who will replace the Tacheres duo of Santos and Baloyes? Big boots to fill. It seems uh, like they filled them quite easily with Noel yes. Bustos and Ramon Sosa, who are say, doing yeah. the Baloyes and Santos job of scoring all of Tacheres' goals every single game. Yeah, so that's the most literal possible uh, interpretation. But yeah, Sosa apparently joined Tacheres in January uh, from Gimnasia. But um, I've been, I guess I, I must have seen him pop up from time to time and I've been largely unaware of him until now but it turns out he's a former River Plate player as well Ooh. that is River Plate de Asuncion because he's Paraguayan cheeky um, and then joined Olympia and from there went to Gimnasia after oh, he had like a year at Olympia so he's um, oh he's 23 so he's not a, yeah. not a kid but uh, still relatively young um, and yeah scored two goals against Gimnasia um, both quite late on Mm -hmm. Oh, a penalty, in fact, was the first, and then the second was from open play. Um, with, yeah, now when Bustos, as you say, scoring the opener early on. So that's the most obvious answer. Are there any other potentially more left, or I guess right field, because Sosa's a left winger? Um, responses, Luis Miguel Angulo is the right winger, but... I'm sticking with that one. I saw it straight away, and I'm yeah. happy with myself, so it, I'm not going to stick my neck out of the line It anymore. seems like the... Obvious answer, I guess. Uh, so let's go out on a limb. Bustos is going to score 10 goals with 2 assists and Sosa is going to have 6 goals and 8 assists. So basically, fill those roles perfectly. Bustos was subbed off with an injury, according to this. I don't know how serious it was, but his replacement was Jose Romero, who set up uh, Sosa's second goal. There and he are. is 20 years old and appears to be a Tacheres youth product. So oh. he could be a very interesting bet for them to make if you know that's going to be better for... Obviously, there's no FFP here, but 
you know, the, the coffers if they can bring up a young kid and then sell him for loads of money. Yeah. So apparently they didn't, they, they didn't make any sign uh, to replace Valois and... I mean, looking at the squad list for the first match at the weekend, yeah. there's nothing obvious jumping out at me. Um, in terms of players who weren't there last time. They're a bit of a quiet force at Tijera, so you think like Copa de la Liga is like a kind of reasonable possibility for them to aim for? I mean, they've been on a tear the last three, four months. It's probably like best team in the league, I think. Yeah. Pure results, I think. Uh, where is it? Last game they lost. They've lost one of about their last 20 games in all competitions. Mm. Uh, so yeah, and that was a close four. Subjects against Lanus, so yeah, they've never really won anything uh, in their history, so it could be a kind of reasonable thing to aim for. They do, yeah, indeed, yeah. Um, as we've discussed a little bit with because they finished second in the league, well, a month or so ago, and And beat River, of course, in the Comparacandina, yeah, and also finished second in the league two years ago to River as well, yes, not the only only title. From the Shell in the tournament, local tournaments. So yeah, I mean, they do one as much as anybody else. Mm. And it would be great if they could, you know, especially for, just, I think for Cordoba as a city as well. Obviously, Belgrano and Instituto fans aren't going to think that. Uh, but it is a little bit of an anomaly that a city the size of Cordoba have yeah. never had a top flight. Yeah, well, Sarri has had one, La Plata, no, even Santa Fe for crying yeah. out loud. Um, it's kind of weird. Sao Paulo just scored. Oh, so 2-1. Lucas Mora. 2-1 to... Not to Sao Paulo. To Quito. Yeah. Uh, in the Libertadores. Uh, this week, we're not going to have the Mystic Sam because uh, I don't want to establish that precedent given that I'm about to go away. And also, as I said earlier, it's going to make it a lot quicker for me to edit this because I've got a bunch of extras to edit as well. So... It is time for me to say that I'm going away on Sunday, but I'm going to be spending this evening, I spent last week editing some, I'm going to be spending this evening editing some more, because we're about to record a couple more um, episodes of Hand of Pod Extra, and scheduling them to go up online while I'm away. So if you do want regular content from us, in much shorter form, and it also has to be said much less structured form and slightly sillier, if such a thing were possible, uh, then get over to patreon.com slash handofpod and sign up to support us, please. Um, if not, then we will be recording, I think, probably, depending on how my work and travel schedule lines up, um, some episodes while I'm away. But it's not going to be weekly. It's going to be much less regular between now and early to mid-November. So in the meantime, thank you very much for listening, as ever. We love you all, and goodbye from Andres. Thank you, goodbye. English Dan. Goodbye. Chris. Take care, goodbye. And me, thank you, and goodbye.